Recording. It feels so good. It feels so good. It feels so good to be alive. It feels so nice. Okay, <laughs> should we start? Yeah, I've got I've got a pitchfork review as well today. Uh, have you? They have done it again. Yeah, I bet it's the yeah. I bet I know what you're talking about. Oh my god! <laughs> and if I wasn't sure about that album, now I bloody love it. It's my favorite <laughs> album, album of the year. Kind of is. It's pretty good. It is pretty good. Yeah. Um, and have you? Oh, have you seen the video of the I've song I was singing? S- no. <gasps> We're gonna watch it on my tube because okay. it's wonderful. It made me happy. I could watch it over and over again. Good. Mm. Do you know you're still sharing your screen with me, by the way? Ah, sorry. <laughs> I mean, I don't mind, just in case. Hi. I was like, that's Neil Patrick Harris, what's he doing? Ah, that's what I was watching before. I just did, like, pick me up a little bit. It's like, mm, Neil, <laughs> pick that's me up, fair. please. Um, okay. I'm starting this week, yeah? Yes, you are, yes. Um, why don't we go and say... Two friends just made a podcast. Two good friends just made a podcast. Hi everyone, welcome to Culture Bucket, the universe's greatest and most favourite podcast of all time, where two best friends talk all things popular culture, um, and it's a great time, a great time is had by all, we do reviews, we talk about new things, old things, we do special features and reviews and stuff, it's wonderful, thank you for coming and being with us, my name is George, I'm your host, and with me is your other host, Alex, hi Alex. Hi George, hi everyone, how are you doing this wonderful March day, George? I am good, thank you. <laughs> Ticking along. Like a as time usual. bomb. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, all good. good. Broadly. How are you? Wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Good. Good, 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 good. <laughs> has it snowed in England? Because last week it snowed all week last week. It has snowed. And in sort of outside of the cities, it's gotten a bit... Uh, Snowy, but uh, where I am, it's it's not really stuck, so it's just been kind of mushy. Oh, um, mushy snow. But there's, there's been snow around. Good. But nothing too exciting. Uh, this is episode 96 of our podcast, of course, and we will be doing Culture Catch-Up today and MyTube and Recommendations. That will be our bag for today. And then next week, episode 97, will be the final part of our culture bucket of our lives. Yeah. So sad. It is quite sad, but, you know, all good things must come to an end. It's been a lot of fun. Um, so, before we move into Culture Catch-Up, I'd just like to say, could you please rate us? Could you please review us? Um, and could you please tell your friends about us and give us some five-star ratings and write some reviews and all of those good things? It would be lovely to hear from some people what they think of our little podcast. So please do go and do that. That would be so good. You can rate and review us on all sorts of things like Apple Podcasts and Spotify and various other places. Go wild. And go to our link tree, which uh, the link for that is in the show notes of this episode. And it's got links to all of our different social media places. And you can look up uh, film reviews and Alex's artwork and all sorts of things on there. So that would be great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. 
Thanks. Thank you. This is Culture Catch-Up Time. This is where we talk about what we've watched, what we've read, what we've listened to, and probably some other stuff. So, Alex, what have you been doing? What's your what's been your pop popular culture? Uh, I haven't been very active in the viewing uh, things today. Uh, this week, okay. Uh, I've lost I've lost some time. I don't know where it went, but um, it, it's the week of the eighth of March and it's International Women's Day, and uh, I saw um, this podcast where they the the person the presenter was talking. She was she watched all these films. From um, female directors, I was like, I'm going to do the same for the podcast. And then I managed to watch one. So oh, okay. <laughs> I haven't been very... <laughs> but I, 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 I got some inspiration for, for films to watch. So I'm going to check those films out. But one of the films, the film I watched uh, by a female director is uh, a film called Songs My Brother Taught Me. And it's Chloe Zhao's directorial debut. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So she written and directed uh, this film and uh, it's about, um, it's totally independent, you know, Chloe Zhao doing her thing. Mm-hmm. And it's a um, coming of age story, uh, drama, uh, sad drama about uh, this uh, brother and sister who live with their uh, single mother on the Pine Ridge Reservation, which is a... First Nation Indigenous um, reservation for the, you know, is the reservation for the Indigenous people of America and uh, their daily lives and what do they they have to do to, you know, day to day to survive, to make money, to escape alcoholism, uh, (laughs) to keep warm. Um, Yeah, it's... um, it's a beautiful film. Uh, Chloe Zhao here shows uh, the landscape the only way Chloe Zhao can do. It's um, wide and wonderful and uh, beautiful. But also when it comes to the human interaction, it's, it's lots of close-ups, lots of pauses, and it's uh, wonderful. And it's, yeah... Um, she also portrays realism. Uh, what she said, uh, making this film, um, is uh, I'll read what she said. Uh, the tight budget, like plotting, and near realistic style casting, we're capturing truth because truth is the only thing we can afford. So, uh, what they did is, um, they used well. She used mostly um, the production used mostly uh, local residents. Uh, uh, as actors and the stories that are in the film are re- the real stories and the struggles are real struggles and the uh, some uh, character plots are actually things that are happening or have happened and um, it's beautiful it's heartbreaking and uh, it stays with you it really stays with you um, different it's like nom- nomad land where you, there's this realism that is being made like it's just kind of uh, make it she made c- cinematic but here is very real because these are real people that live in these reservations which are uh, that from what i read um pine ridge reservation it seems there's one of the poorest reservations in america and a lot of people in in uh, suffer from alcoholism and have no jobs 
and so it's it's a very um it's a very it's an eye-opening place because you, you as as a as a i don't know as a non-american i never really looked at what reservations are and i never yeah. thought about what they were but then looking at this film uh, i feel i feel i felt so ignorant about actually the state of the people that live in this reservation however the ending shows that there is a light at the end of the tunnel probably and maybe well the ending is really wonderful so um yeah so there is still hope and people in these reservations still have like you know maybe are going back to their uh native roots and uh, celebrating native things which were not allowed to which they were not allowed to do uh in the in previous in what in previous years because you know they were taken you know they couldn't they had to become christians they had to uh, abide to uh laws that did not belong to them so i think uh, maybe there is a change so yeah it's a wonderful film lovely but i'm going to watch more films by uh, female directors because i think uh, uh it was a good it's a good thing to do and not just only because of international women's day yes um have you have you heard about this film or seen it? Well, I've heard about it uh, through when sort of Nomadland came out and I was hmm. looking up Chloe Zhao, but uh, I haven't seen it. Hmm. I haven't seen it, but it sounds very good. It sounds very sort of in her, in her sort of skill base. Yeah. In her wheelhouse of like exploring stories of people who aren't normally given the voice to have yeah. their story told and things like that. So yeah, yeah. sounds it sounds really cool. Yeah, and then I've gone back to reading because I think I need I need to read sometimes. So I read this uh, book um, called Before the Coffee Gets Cold, which is a 2015 novel by Toshikazu Kawaguchi. And it's a really wonderful book. And it tells the story of a cafe in Tokyo where it allows the customers to um, travel back in time but as long Ooh. as they they return before their coffee gets cold. Okay. Yeah. That's so, a cool idea. Yeah, and but the the thing is, they can go back in time. However, whatever they do is not going to affect the present. So if they can't change anything in the present, they can just observe what um, or experience the moment again. Mm. So it's it's a it's a it's a nice concept of going back in time but n- not because you want to change things but only because you want to understand w- what has happened um and uh yeah it's a i really liked it it's a really really nice book and uh kind of uh, talks about you know you can't really change the past but you can kind of understand it and um i loved it yeah and uh, he also i want to read his other books apparently he's made another two books um before the coffee gets cold, tales from the cafe, and then before your memory fades. So he's written another two books related to this. And uh, it's yeah. like a series. Yes, yes, yes. And I'm gonna read more. Um, and then I listened to music this week. Uh, nice. A, yeah, I listened to quite a bit of music. One that I just decided to listen to because the kids listened to her, and I thought I'll I'll give it a go. I want to. Okay. Which be... which kids are we talking about? <laughs> well, like 
11, 12, 13 year olds, you know, you know, the, kids, the not youth. my kids. <laughs> hey? The youth, the general youth. The general youth listens to uh, this artist. And so I was like, you know, if the general youth listens to this artist, I'll give it a uh, go. And so I listened to Sabrina Carpenter's new album. Okay. Do you know her? Uh, I recognize that name. So um, I think I do, but not well. Yeah, it's called Emails I Can't Send. It's, it was released last year, 2022. And you know what? It's not bad. I enjoy oh, it. Oh, I do know her. Yeah. I can't remember where I've seen her, but I know that album name as well. I think she was a Disney Channel person. Lovely. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's a, it's a newest, uh, latest release. Um, it's, uh, it's apparently the most personal, um, her personal album. She talks about lots of different things about herself and relationships and I enjoyed it. I think, you know, it's a nice pop album. She's got some nice lyrics, nice voice, and I think it's really good. And, uh, Pitchfork doesn't talk about it, so it must be a little bit too lowbrow for Pitchfork, but I... <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> but I I really like it and I would uh, recommend uh, listening to it. Cool. Yeah. Um, and then I listened to Miley Cyrus' new album, Endless Summer Vacation. Have you had a listen to that? Um, not yet. It only came out a couple of days ago. Mm. Um, I, I've listened to the single quite a bit, which is called Flowers. Yeah. Um, but not the full album. Yeah. Before I talk about it, I'm going to I'm gonna listen to it a bit, little bit more, but... Uh, I'm not as hooked as Plastic Hearts as, you know, Plastic Hearts. I put it on and a previous album and listened to it endlessly. Yeah. Um, this one is good, but I want, to, I want to learn more about it before I... And maybe we can talk about it next time. Yeah, I, w I will listen to it because mm. I do like it. I've read that this one goes to more of a singer-songwriter sort of style yeah. over the kind of 80s rock-influenced inf yeah. stuff that was on Plastic Hearts. There are lots of ballads and there is definitely some country uh, influence in it. And, okay. Um, I, I like it, but I need to kind of re re reprogram my mind with Miley Cyrus and go, no. This is a new album. Yeah, but it's good yeah. when they when people do this when they Absolutely. do new. Yeah. Um, the first the single flowers the first time I heard it I wasn't keen and it's really mm. grown on me so yeah. I can imagine the album might yeah. be similar. That's why I'm, I still don't have an opinion on it, but I have listened to it. I wanted to know if you had had a chance to listen to it, and then you said listen to Slow Ties new album, which is called Ugly, and I did. And um, have you listened to it? I have. I've listened to it quite a lot actually. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah, I was kind of hooked from the first track where, you know, he talks about breathing and he's in a, in in psychopathic well, in psychotherapy and you know and gets angry when people tell him to breathe and then the breathing gets like yeah, it's of, very uh, it's claustrophobic very intense. and intense. It's yeah, a very intense song. But then I feel like he goes through this evolution in this album, and he's really slow tie at the beginning, <clears throat> and then it kind of becomes something different and yeah like he evolves in something different and i really really enjoy this album i think is really really good yeah yeah and then i, I read a pitchfork review <laughs> and how i love this album <laughs> because pitchfork hates it <laughs> well 
They gave it five and a half out of ten, which Whoa, yeah that, is yeah. not great. Did you read the review? Oh, I read the review. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's one bit that really annoyed me. Uh, right. uh, and then I was like, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe I, maybe I shouldn't. You know, maybe I, I like I, but I, you know, maybe I don't. This album is not as good as I think it is. But then I read another review on the Guardian and. Um, um, well, yeah, Alex I mean, Petridis loves it. So, yeah, if you look at like, um, I don't know, all music four out of five, Clash seven out of ten, DIY five out of five, The Guardian five out of five, Independent four out of five, Line of Best Fit eight out of ten, Enemy five out of five, Slant Magazine three and a half out of five, Telegraph four out of five. So yeah, Pitchfork's review definitely goes against the general grain, um, and just seems to be sim or symptomatic of um, their automatic distaste for rappers involving themselves in guitar-based music. Yeah. Um, without yeah. really giving it an actual chance to stand on its own, is, is the impression I get from that review. Also, how much guitar is in this album? It's not like a guitar album. There are some tracks that have got a guitar under it, but bloody hell, they hate it. Yeah, I mean, there's there is a lot of. I mean, I think pretty much all of it does have guitar on it. Does it? Yeah, he's got oh. Fontaine's DC all over it and stuff. Like that first track is all guitar. It doesn't necessarily sound like it. Okay, completely. I'm just. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm. 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 I'm amazed by the, his the lyrics. So I've just been listening to kind of like what he yeah, says, the, and when I notice a guitar, I was like, oh, that's weird. There's a guitar, <laughs> but I haven't really. Like he's touring with a full band for this album. Oh wow! Um, yeah, which is, is cool. Um, no, he's, it's brilliant. And that, the song, uh, my favorite sort of four minutes on the album are the, the I think the third and fourth track, mm. um, sooner and feel good, which very much just fully pull out, pull away from rapping to be just him singing. Yeah. Um, and he's not necessarily the world's greatest singer, but like the emotion, like his performance is great because he brings so much emotion to it. And you can yeah. tell that the, the lyrics he's bringing out are really sort of true to him and and intense and uh yeah it's a good album yeah it's very good i really enjoyed it and i can't stop listening to it and that's i think another thing because i was listening to slow tie quite a lot and then i put uh, miley's new album and i was like oh but it's so yeah it's a very different yeah. so different <laughs> just like two different words it's like oh there's so many ballads i wonder I but i like more. this one because i mean his last album because we talked about his last album didn't we i think it's yeah. called tyrone yeah. And I never really got into that album because it, he did it with that sort of album of two halves thing where half of it was sort of almost ballady as well or like slower, more introspective stuff. And then the other half was more ab- aggressive and abrasive. Mm. And I like that on this album, he's just mixed it all together and it just veers from one thing to the to the next mm. between so- within songs even at times. And I, I much prefer that sort of like eclectic mix of stuff rather than like really... I, I'm no, I'm never that keen when artists are like these. This half of the album is this, and this half of the mm. album is this. Foo Fighters did it years ago with an album where like half of it was acoustic and half of it was was electric. And no, just 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 do an album, mix it up. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Yes. But yeah. Uh, and uh, that's it really for. I watched, of course, The Last of Us. Um, and oh, then yeah. you could go into yours because yeah, like I said, I've lost some time this week. Um. And uh, yeah, what episode did we? What's the last episode we talked about? For the Last of Us, yeah. 
Um, I think the last one we talked about was probably the the two-parter where they escaped from Kansas City. Oh, we haven't spoken about three episodes, actually. Mm-hmm. Episode six, seven, and eight. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What if, so episode six is um, meeting up with Tommy. The spoilers for Last of Us, by the way. Skip skip ahead if you don't want to hear it. Mm. Episode six is meeting up with Tommy, finding his town. And that's all very interesting because that town is... This is very nerdy. That town is a big element in uh, the second game, Last of Us Part 2. Oh, so they're going to go back. Well, we'll see. We'll see who, etc. I don't want to spoil anything. Oh, but like, just spoil it. I'm not spoiling oh. it, but... All I, well, all I'm saying is that that yes. town is a big element in the second game. Okay. Um, so in the in the um in the in the first game, that sequence where you meet up with Tommy and you discuss, Joel discusses how he doesn't want to take Ellie because he doesn't want to lose her. He doesn't think he's the right man to do it. Yeah. He, that whole journey that he goes on to, to kind of get closer to Ellie and agree to take her, that all happens at a hydroelectric power dam that they come across and Tommy is there with some people from the town to try and um, restart the dam to get electricity for the town and stuff. So I thought it was an interesting choice that they decided to drop that whole thing mm. and just have Joel and Ellie end up in the town, mm. um, um, which I guess allows for a bit more. There's, there is, I won't spoil anything, but there's a lot of foreshadowing for stuff that will happen in season mm. two, presumably in the town that they were able to do because of uh, because of the change of setting, which I thought was cool. That episode, I think, remains my favourite episode of the season. I loved that episode. Um, yeah, it's good. It's it's uh, it, it brings back some normality in their lives. Yeah. However, why did it not stay? Can you not just sleep for a little bit? Just have a little nap. Because they're on a why journey. Why do you always have to be awake? There is food. Yeah, there's a journey, but you can, like, you know, have a shower. Well, she did have a shower. And you know you can have some more mousse or something, whatever you eat. <laughs> yeah, they did. They got fed up and they showered and cleaned up, and then yeah. it's time. It's time to left. move on. Yeah, and they left, and all shit. It was not good, and uh, yeah, I, I, it, it, it was, it was good to be a little bit in in normality again, a bit like the episode with Bill and Frank. Mm-hmm. You know, have some kind of people trying to live a nice life. Um. And then they leave and they go to a hospital and then, you know, they meet yeah. people again and they don't... So f- until now, we kind of met good people, kind of, you know, well, okay people. Yeah. But not as bad people, like the people as bad as, you know, other things that you watch for zombies. But these people were bad that they met at the at the hospital and uh, Joel gets shotteth. No, he gets stabbed with a, with a big splinter of uh, baseball bat, doesn't he? He gets stabbed, not yeah. shot. Yeah, yeah, he gets stabbed. Sorry. Uh, no, it's no. He doesn't get stabbed. He's shot. Uh, Ellie shoots somebody. Yeah, Ellie shoots someone. And, and I he, compl- he's when stabbed. I watched episode eight, I was like, "What are they talking about? John Ellie didn't kill anyone." <laughs> yes, they did. They yes, absolutely they did. did. <laughs> Although, again, another interesting change from the game, which I think they must have changed because it would seem so unrealistic in live action, is that instead of having a scuffle and accidentally getting stabbed with that splintered baseball bat in the game, 
he's in the hospital, he's in the university still mm. in the lab. He has a scuffle with a guy uh, on yeah. a balcony. They both fall over the balcony, fall mm. about 20 feet to the ground, and then he gets a big bit of like metal rebar yeah. all the way through his body, sticking out from one end to the other. Oh. Um, and like that's what he has to try and survive from in oh. the game. And I think yeah. if they did that in live action, people would just be like, well, no. No, it's not <laughs> going to happen. He'd be dead. Yeah. Irrelevant yeah. of how much... Um, medicine that she gets to uh, inject into him yeah so so we leave episode uh six kind of oh what's gonna happen well of course it's gonna survive it's joel but you know yeah we leave episode six and then we go to episode seven and we realize and we find out why ellie is the way she is mm-hmm. and uh we explore we have survivor's guilt mm? we explore survivor guilt don't we, we explore survivor guilt and we meet uh, and his best friend Riley, played by Storm Reed. Storm Reed, yes, and Who I really is... liked this episode because it was really nice. And well, pff, I liked, I didn't like at the end. <laughs> Don't like. <laughs> um. Yeah, and we find out how Ellie got infected. Um. And uh, also another another nice episode of like people trying to find normality in this uh, pocket. Post apocalyptic land, and they go in a in um in a mall, and I like mm-hmm. that because the mall is like you know having a good time in a mall, but then it doesn't end well. No, but before it doesn't end well, they get to go on a carousel that plays a little uh, cover of the Cure. Yeah. Um, which was lovely, mm. and they they tell each other some jokes and they yeah. sh- they share a sweet tender romantic moment, and it's uh it is a very good. Uh, it's a it's a good episode and it's a good adaptation of that sequence in the game, mm. which um, you actually do after you finish the game. It's like a separate chapter that you can load up from the main menu in oh. the game, so it's like a separate thing. Um, so yeah, it was great to see that adapted, and I thought Storm Reed was brilliant as Riley. I think she's yeah. great. Like she's the star of a movie called Missing that I reviewed. Yeah, a few episodes ago. Um, and she's very good in that film, and yeah, she's really good in this. I think mm. Storm Reed, and she does she play the younger sister in Euphoria? Yeah, yeah. Zendaya's so younger sister and she's very good in that as well um, good stuff yeah and uh, the fun guy comes out and the fun guy is just so disgusting they're just fun guy yeah. they horrible and again in the game in that sequence there's like a thousand of them rather than just the one in the TV show in a way that, that differently so that you in that sequence that episode when they're in the mall you're constantly on edge mm-hmm. and then you meet the 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 mushroom guy but much before he attacks them and i was so on edge didn't i because it's supposed to be a lovely moment and they're having a good time but you could not forget at the back of your head that you've just seen this mushroom and um it's horrible it's i told you i don't want to like anyone Mm. um but then i knew that she probably would have not made it because flashback and then we go to episode eight where the evil of the evil comes out david um david and i (laughs) like he you know it starts and he he already seems creepy from the beginning and Mm. but then you go well you know religion creep but then i like it because it it was a good build-up to it was so it's such a calm episode and but it just builds up to the last scene and the last scene i cried yeah, my mum cried in, at the last I scene as well. She cried. Told me. I, uh, it was 
cinematically beautiful. Like she stabs this mother with burning behind her and then she leaves and she's alone and then and then Joel comes and then she's like, I'm here, baby girl. I'm like, <laughs> and she's like, she's such she an incredible actor. Because when she comes out of that door, she doesn't know Joel is going to be there. Joel might be dead. And you can see that it's just... And it's be- it's it made me cry. I was... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, um, and, you know, we'll explain in our special what other, what other horrible things all this, the, the, that pasta did. Um, yeah, not a good guy. Very not, bad guy. Not a good guy. But he had me, in a way, had me a little bit fooled. Because he seemed okay mm-hmm. until well, Ellie left to go back to Joel with the medicine. Yeah. And then he turned. But until then, I was like, maybe he's a nice guy. <laughs> the, the, the worst monsters are the best, are the best at hiding themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was a monster. Uh, and I'm, I am sad that next week is the last episode. I'm really sad. Cause I, Tonight, I even, for when we're recording. Tonight is it is our oh, here is out on Monday. Yeah, sorry. Where by tonight? I mean, it comes out at two a.m. in, in the morning. I might oh, okay. actually stay up and watch it or oh, get up oh, really. I, into it. I don't know. Um. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm I'm sad because I want more and it's finished. You'll get more. There's more coming. They've. they've yeah, yeah, but much. not now. No, not <laughs> what now. am I going to do with my Monday nights? Yeah. Um. No. But um, my love for Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey has grown. <laughs> I love them. I love them both. And I think because everybody else dies or is bad in this or disappears in the in the oblivion <laughs> some <laughs> I I I I love them and they're so good and they've got great chemistry and they're wonderful. Wonderful. Mm. Yeah. And that's it. Uh with my culture catch up this week. How about you, G? Well, obviously, Last of Us, slow, tight, ugly, of course. Um, and a few other things, TV shows to talk about, and then a few movies. Um, the British BBC drama Happy Valley uh, came back for its third and final season recently. Okay. Have you ever watched Happy Valley, Alex? Nope. No. So ha- maybe this is what you could do with your Monday nights. Okay. Um, Happy Valley is a show um, written by... Created and written by um, Sally Wainwright, um, who is a um, you know British British TV writer um, and producer and director. She's from Yorkshire, and um, she's written a bunch of different things, but largely her masterpiece is considered to be um, the TV show Happy Valley, mm. set in Hebden Bridge in uh, Yorkshire, which is um, fairly close to where I am right now in Manchester. Um, a beautiful area of the world, uh, but Happy Valley kind of explores and peels back and looks at the unpleasant stuff that goes on underneath the surface. Uh, the first series of this uh, in 2014 introduced us to one of TV's greatest characters of all time, Sergeant Catherine Kaywood, played by the incredible Sarah Lancashire, one mm. of the greatest actresses in the UK, in my opinion. Um 
we meet her in the first series. She is about eight years on from the uh, tragic death of her daughter. Her daughter left behind a baby that she's now raising as a as her grandchild. And um, in the first series, as we meet her, she finds out that the man, Tommy Lee Royce, played by James Norton, who she blames for the death of her daughter and who is the biological father of her grandson, has been released from prison and she um, begins to take steps to protect her family from what she mm. thinks is a dangerous potential menace on them. The first series of it also involves um, a kidnapping, um, oh. a kidnapping and a ransom, and various other characters that we meet, including her her sister, Claire, played by Siobhan Finneran, who's also really, really good, um, Anne Gallagher, played by Charlie Murphy, who's very good and takes a bigger role as it goes forward. First series... I watched it um, in 20... I didn't watch it when it came out. I watched it in about 2016 or 2017, I think, and loved it. It was very, very good. Came back a couple of years later for a second series in 2016. So I think I watched the first series just before the second series was out. Mm. Second series um, continued the story about 18 months later, continuing the kind of um, chess game between Catherine and Tommy Lee Royce for... Mm. uh, the mind of Ryan effectively. And I didn't like the second series as much when it was originally out, mm. but I watched, so then that was 2016. Then it was gone until this December just passed. Oh, wow. Yeah. About oh. eight years later. Yeah. They brought it back for a third and final season. Um, and apparently Sally Rayner had always intended this to be the case. And the same actor plays Ryan, her uh, grandson who in the first two seasons was like, I don't know, eight and 10 mm. is now, is now 16. Mm. Um, and again, the third season is kind of the final sort of showdown between Catherine and Tommy Lee Royce and also involves um, a, a murder and a PE teacher at Ryan's school who might be involved in all sorts of things. And um, in total, it's one of the finest things that the, that the BBC has ever produced. I think mm. it's it's absolutely incredible. I rewatched all two seasons, all two seasons, which were the first two seasons before I watched the third season and cried repeatedly at, at incredible moments throughout, you know, the first two series. Mm. It's just such a powerful show. It really gets you invested in the characters. You really care about what happens to them. You care about Catherine and you see, you know, the pain that she goes through. It's not an easy, it's not a light hearted show. It's a pretty dark show. But it's created by a woman. It's it stars this amazing woman, Sarah Lancashire, and to kind of watch these two people bring this story to a close, I thought was um amazing. And it ends in a really interesting way, not in the way that maybe you'd expect, not in the way that an American TV show of this type would end. I think it ends in a really British fashion. Hmm. Um and I think it really, really works. I think some people were a bit disappointed with how it all played out, but I thought it was perfect and really kind of felt real to everything that you've seen before it. So, yeah, mm. um, if you haven't seen Happy Valley, it's widely available. I think outside of the UK, it's on Netflix. In the UK, it's on the iPlayer. And um, it's 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 amazing. And I think that Sergeant, that Catherine Kaywood is just one of these characters that's it's like Walter White, Tony Soprano. She's up there with those in terms oh. of like fully sketched out, realised mm. people that exist on screen. Um, so yeah, Happy Valley is amazing. And please, 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 everyone watch it. Um, a few movies as well. I watched, after your recommendation last time, I watched RRR. Oh. 
R-R-R. Um, and I agree with you. It's amazing. I really, really enjoyed it. <laughs> it's so much fun, isn't it? Yeah, it's really, really fun. The music's amazing. The songs and dancing and then the action sequences make the Fast and Furious movies look like, you know, tame. <laughs> rubbish in comparison yeah. um, by the end of the movie where someone's swinging a motorcycle around to bash people in their head it just, oh it's just out of out of control madness um, but yeah it's an amazing movie and deserving of a lot of recognition and praise yeah. and it's it's received a lot of recognition and praise from um, from audiences and things awards bodies like the Oscars have not really seemingly it's been nominated for best song strangely mm. it, it the Indian Film Commission in India decided not to submit it as the official Indian entry for the best uh, international film Oscar which yeah. boggles my mind but that's yeah. a choices they've made as a buzz but no it's incredible and yeah. um, you should watch it take the take the three hours out of your day to to sit down and watch RRR. <laughs> And like you said, the themes of brotherhood and friendship and like male, Mm. male friendship is uh, so strong and yeah, it's cool. It's a good film. I was thinking about, I think the scene that I realised that you were going to love this film is when Raju gets really angry because he doesn't get uh, promoted and he just boxing this boxing um, I don't know what it's called the the Um, punch bag the punch bag and he just destroys it I was like George is going to love this film (laughs) (laughs) he's just going to love it and then he's punching the wall yeah Yeah. Yeah. and then the scene where they first meet where they rescue that boy on the bridge (laughs) and then they clasp hands together and the title comes oh it's yeah it's very good very cool stuff I'm glad you liked it I'm glad you watched it Good. Definitely amazing stuff. I would like um, to watch it with you. I think we should watch yeah. it again one day. Yeah, that, I'm, I'm up for that. That would be good. Um, and then newer films. Uh, a few films I saw in the cinema the past few weeks. First up, I got to see The Cocaine Bear. Ah. Yes, I saw The Cocaine Bear. Um, this is a movie uh, directed by Elizabeth Banks, mm-hmm. starring Kerry Russell, Ansel Elgort, um... What's his name? O'Shea Jackson Jr. Ray Liotta in one of his final on-screen performances, but not his final on-screen performance ever, which is... That man made so many movies because he died about a year ago and he's still got mm. films coming out. It's incredible. Wow. And he's very, you know, he's very, very good. Um, who else is in this film? Um, Isaiah Whitlock Jr. from The Wire, Margot Martindale. There's a lot of people in this movie, which is problem number one. Um <laughs> It's a movie, it claims to be inspired by true events. The, the true events that inspired it are, in the 80s, some drug smugglers had to throw a load of cocaine out of a plane that was going to go down, and they didn't manage to recollect the cocaine, so a bear found it, ate it, and uh, died immediately, which is what would happen if you ingested, you know, several pounds of cocaine. Yeah. In the movie Cocaine Bear, of course, the bear finds all the cocaine, and mm-hmm. it eats takes the cocaine and eats the cocaine and then it and then it becomes this this insane rampaging murderous bear that's addicted to cocaine rampages all around this forest and like in essence a bear high on cocaine ravaging people potentially an exciting thing in a movie yeah. and broadly when the bear's on screen and when it's like the effect of the bear is very well done a lot of the stuff they want this bear to do couldn't be done by a real bear obviously <laughs> So it's done, a lot of it is CGI, but they've obviously, that's the one big effect in the movie, so that's where they've put all the special effects money, and it looks pretty good, generally. So well done for them on that. But the problem is, you've got you've got um, O'Shea Jackson Jr. and Alden Ehrenreich, not Ansel Elgort, Alden Ehrenreich, sorry, 
play two drug people who have been sent to the woods to try and find the drugs. So they're walking around in the forest looking for the cocaine. Mm. Kerry Russell has a daughter and her daughter's friend and her daughter and her daughter's friend go off into the woods to go into a waterfall and paint a picture of it or something. And they skip school. So they're wandering around in the woods, da 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 And there's a sequence where they find a bag of cocaine and they're like, what is this? I think it's cocaine. How do you do cocaine? I think you eat it. And then they try and eat the cocaine and obviously they don't, etc. And then Kerry Russell finds out her daughter skipped school and she's like, she must have gone into the woods to paint the waterfall. So Kerry Russell goes off into the woods to look for the thing. Margot Martindale plays a park ranger who is meeting a man who's going to inspect the ecological viability of the forest or something. Mm. They go off into the woods to do that. Then... um, uh, Isaiah Whitlock Jr. is a police detective who's in the woods looking for the cocaine and the people he assumes are going to try and get the cocaine back. So he's wandering around the woods. You're like five or six different sets of characters, Mm. all doing, all basically just aimlessly wandering around in the woods because they don't know where anything is that they're looking for. So they're just all aimlessly wandering around. There's only one cocaine bear. So when you're in a scene with the cocaine bear, it's, you know, it's all right. But then it will cut to another character and you're like, well, I know the cocaine bear's not here because the cocaine bear's over there with those people. So I know nothing exciting is going to happen in this scene. Mm. And you're just watching, I don't know, Kerry Russell wandering around in the woods shouting her daughter's name or like a couple of drug dealers bickering about. And it's just kind of boring. And that's the Mm. worst... And it's had quite good reviews and it's done quite well. It's made a lot of money. Maybe I I don't know. I'm, I'm outside of the... But I just found it really dull... And I just thought that like it, none of the characters seemed very interesting. They all seemed to exist just for the bear to attack them. But then, you know, the bear, there's only so much cocaine bear you can put in a film. Yeah. And I didn't really, I didn't like it. And I was really, I was a bit disappointed because I was hoping it would be a fun, silly time at the movies. But mm. even at, even at just barely an hour and a half long, it felt overlong and boring. And um, yeah, I wasn't a fan of cocaine bear. Sorry. Um... You're but forgiven. thank you. Uh, <laughs> then uh, a new one, a new movie that's made big waves, made a lot of money in America, is doing very well over here in the UK as well. Is the third film in the Creed series itself a spin off of the Rocky series? It's like the ah. eight, the ninth film overall connected to Rocky, I guess. Um, I don't like boxing because. I don't really like actual violence. It makes me feel a little bit sick. I can, I can mm. watch all sorts of violence on screen, but I don't really like seeing actual people hit, hit each other. Mm. So I'm not a, I'm not really a boxing fan. But I do like the Rocky movies because they tend to be quite good character dramas of, mm. you know, putting two characters up against each other who have different, different viewpoints on something. And ultimately, the only way they're going to come to an agreement is by punching each other really hard in the head. And that's fine because it's a movie and we can do that in a movie. Um, this movie, Creed Free, opens... Creed's on top of the world. Adonis Creed, son of Apollo Creed. And played oh. by Michael B. Jordan. This movie, directed by Michael B. Jordan. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah, it's his directorial debut. Wow. Yes. Um, and I'll get to why that's important in a minute. But, yeah, so he's on top of the world. Adonis Creed, his world heavyweight, whatever, champion something, something. It, <laughs> he retires. Movie opens, we see him do his big final match, he wins his match, he retires, great, well done. We cut to a couple of years later, he's married to Tessa Thompson, good stuff, 
They've got mm. a they've got a young daughter together who is um, deaf, and there's a lot of this movie where it's all done through ASL American Sign Language as oh. Tessa Thompson and Michael B. Jordan communicate with their daughter, and the actress playing their daughter is um, a real deaf actor, oh, and cool. um, I think that's really you know in terms of inclusivity and representation on screen, I thought that was really wonderful, mm. and the the girl <clears> is um, in fact I'll get her name because it's really offensive not to know her name because she's so good. Amara Creed, she's played by Myla Davis-Kent, or Mila Davis-Kent, and she's wonderful. Um, so yeah, so Creed is retired, on top of the world, he runs a gym now, and trains other boxers, he's got this new guy called Sanchez? No, Felix Chavez, who's the new heavyweight champion of the world, and he's going to have a big boxing match, and it's going to be great, and everyone's going to make loads of money, etc, etc. But, oh no. Mm. Uh-oh. Maybe he's got some darkness in his past that we haven't explored yet appropriately. Oh. Maybe he ran away from a scene of a crime he shouldn't have done years ago and left a friend to take the take the etc. Oh. And maybe his friend is only now just getting out of prison after eighteen years inside. And maybe his oh. friend is gonna have ideas of his own about how he wants to impact the boxing world. So here we meet Damien Dame Anderson, played by the increasingly perfect Jonathan Majors, recently seen as Kang in the yeah, Ant-Man films. Yeah, he's everywhere now. He's the first actor since, I think, 2013 to star in two number one movies at the box office, back-to-back. Wow. Uh, yeah. I think Jessica Chastain uh, got that with uh, Zero Dark Thirty and Mama in 2012 or 2013 or something. Mm. And uh, Jonathan Majors, like 10 years later, doesn't happen very often, but is deserving of this guy. He is, he's, he's, the movie makes a lot of hay about how he's like a few years older than uh, Michael B. Jordan's character, who's already like too old to box anymore, really. In reality, Jonathan Majors is younger than Michael B. Jordan, but <laughs> my God, he does look much older. Um, yeah, he does. Like, Michael B. Jordan looks ageless. Yeah, like... he does. He really does. It's bizarre. Um, so, Jonathan Majors, he's like, I used to be an amazing boxer. I was on the up. I was going to be incredible. This bad thing happened. I got put in prison. I'm back. I'm ready. Uh, give me a shot. D- Creed is like, no, it's not how it's done. It doesn't work that way. And then all of a sudden, Things happen and an opportunity arrives and Don and Creed is like, go, take your shot, become the heavyweight champion of the world. Dame does so and uh oh, then he turns, he betrays Creed, then they have <gasps> to they yeah, then they have to have a big fight themselves. That's you know, you can it's the way a movie it's the way one of these movies plays out. Yeah. The plot is the plot. But it's all acted extremely well. It's pretty well written. Um, you know, Michael B. Jordan and Jonathan Majors sparring either verbally or physically looks just is great. And uh, Michael B. Jordan has taken some really interesting um, influences from one of his favourite things, the world of anime. And he's, yeah, and he's directed a lot of these fight sequences to feel like they are fights out of an anime film. And I don't mean, nobody starts flying around or shooting energy beams (laughs) at each other or anything like that. But like, there's one bit at the end where... um, Michael B. Jordan, Creed, gets punched in the stomach and he doubles Mm. over and his eyes sort of almost bug out. And as soon as he gets punched in the stomach, the camera cuts to his back and you see all the sweat fly off his back (gasps) as if the power of the punch has gone right through him. And it's it's a Dragon Ball Z thing. It's exactly how... And then he's he's hunched over, his eyes are bugging out, and again, it just looks like... And then there's a a fight scene where all of the crowd... um, and the noise and the music suddenly just fade away and it looks like they're fighting the boxing ring in the middle of a sort of void. And again, it's very anime. It feels very cartoon animation inspired, but it really, really works. And then, it, yeah, there's a bit where they're just sort of screaming at each other in that way that in like something like Dragon Ball Z characters will just start screaming. And um, 
it's 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 some of the best fights fight scenes that have been in the movies and you know the first one was directed by Ryan Coogler who directed Black Panther movies and you know there's a there's a few fight scenes in that that are done in one shot takes which are incredible technical achievements but somehow these fight scenes feel more um alive and full and like connected to the emotion of the characters and it's I really liked it I really really enjoyed Creed Free amazing yeah and I think um it's a it's a it's a triumph for Michael B. Jordan. Um, I think he should be really proud of what he's what he's created. So well done him, and people should watch it. Uh, up next, two more films to talk about very quickly. Number one on Wednesday, I went to a double bill at the cinema here in oh, Manchester, yeah. where I got to see last year's Scream or Scream Five as it is technically, and then a day before it was uh, released officially, the new one Scream Six. Uh, where the action moves to New York and the tagline is New York, new rules. Da da. Although actually, maybe it's New York, sort of same rules really, but it's okay. <laughs> um, and it was good watching it with the first one immediately before it because this Scream Six is massively a sequel to that last one. You know, the the main characters return. Mm. They even dub themselves the Core Four in this one, oh. um, and uh, they go up against a new ghost face or ghost faces as it usually ends up being more than one person mm. who has a um a mission to wipe out a few of them and 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 they have to find out why and who it is and who's going to turn out to be ghost face and all the usual exciting twists and turns that you get in a screen movie but this time the setting is new york rather than uh woodsboro um mm. and um I freaking loved it I had <laughs> such a great time at the cinema watching this movie Jenna Ortega is in it, and they absolutely they hiring Jenna Ortega to be in the last one was such a smart move because she's yeah. now massive. She's she's beloved, and I didn't really realize until I thought about it. She's such a screen queen. Like she's all her stuff she's done so far are horror things. X, yeah, the Babysitter sequel, um, the the last Scream movie, Wednesday even. Like she's she's so yeah. involved in the horror world, and she must. I hope it's because she genuinely loves it and. From the mm. interviews I've seen with her, she does seem like she is um, has a slightly darker sense of humour and things like that and yeah, seems definitely. to enjoy the world of horror. So it's great and I'm so glad for it. And uh, Melissa Barrera, who plays her sister, is really good in this one. Mason Gooding Jr., who I found a little bit irritating in the last one, uh, comes back in this one and is really, really brilliant in it and really funny mm. and... Um, kind of kind of likable uh like he's worked on his charm he's much more charming and enjoyable to watch in this one okay um his sister uh the, you know the character of his sister played by uh jasmine savoy brown is really great and jasmine savoy brown is brilliant she's in yellow jackets um mm. she was in the spider the recent spider-man video game uh, she's really enjoyable in this is the kind of like film literate one that explains the rules of horror movies to everyone and stuff like that Hayden Panettiere, who's not acted for four years, is back. Um, and the, Yeah, the filmmakers have talked about how difficult it was to get her in the film because she doesn't have an agent anymore and they couldn't get in touch with her. And like, oh. I'm glad that it all worked out and they got her. Dermot Mulroney, who's not been in the screen movie before, plays a detective in this film and um, gives a really weird, off-kilter, strange performance <laughs> that I really enjoyed. And yeah, I just... Um, we've got fun cameos in there that I won't spoil... It's just a really fun, silly slasher movie that sort of works. And yeah, I really enjoyed Scream 6. I'd really recommend it to people. Um, Yeah, go and watch it. Watch the last one if you haven't seen it. Then watch this one. They really work as a double bill. And um, yeah, it was good stuff. Good stuff, man. Scream 6 is great. Then, last night, boom, secret, (laughs) secret screening. 
Oh. At, at Cineworld. They do this every so often. If you have an unlimited card, they hold a secret screening. You don't know what the movie is until the title card comes up at the start and you just have to go and see what it is. The first one I ever went to, I can't remember what I wanted it to be, but it ended up being Free Guy, the yeah, I remember. freaking terrible Ryan Reynolds movie. I don't think I finished that film. I think I watched a little bit why, and then I just couldn't you, finish why it. Why would you bother? The second one I went to, um, it, was a mo- it ended up being a body horror film from... Um, I think it might be a Finnish body horror film uh, called Hatching, which is essentially a film about a girl who slowly turns into a bird. Um, and it's subtitled, etc. And about half the audience walked out. And uh, <laughs> I really enjoyed it. But it was a pretty it was a pretty big swing for Cineworld to make it a secret screening. Last night, I got the tickets for it. And I was like, I'll go to it. Because you've got to go to the secret screening. Because what if it's something really cool? And you can kind of like, from what's about to come out, from the films mm. that are coming out in the next few weeks, you can sort of take guesses at what it's going to be. And the guesses were, it might be um, the new Dungeons & Dragons film, oh, uh, yeah. Honor Among Thieves. It might be the new Shazam movie, Fury of the Gods. Uh, there was an outside chance, it seemed like maybe it could be John Wick 4. Ooh. Maybe a very outside chance it could be the Super Mario Brothers movie because tickets for that had just gone on sale. Mm. Uh, so I was like... If it's Shazam, I'll sit and watch it, but I'm not going to be that excited. But if it's any of the others, I'm pretty excited. So we got there. Um, we went and we got our popcorn, etc. We got our drinks in for a good night at the cinema. Got up to um, show our tickets to get into the screen. And what did they have a big pile of on the little um, stand outside the where they check your tickets? They have a big pile of Shazam posters. And I was like, oh... fine I'll go and watch Shazam (laughs) got in sat down watched all the trailers title card comes up Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves and we're like I was like ah yes (laughs) Um, so yeah and it's not out for like two weeks so but based on our release schedule this will be one of the most timely reviews uh, we've ever ever done yeah Um, this movie Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves is um Directed by the directing team that made um, Game Night a few mm. years ago. Yeah. Um, which I love that film. I think it's amazing. I, I think Game Night is a really good um, comedy. Uh, Jonathan Goldstein and John Francis Daly are the, um, are the directors. So we, we knew and we've watched the trailers together and stuff that it was going to be kind of like a more lighthearted take on Dungeons and Dragons, which is what it needs. They did a really po-faced, serious film like 20 years ago mm. that nobody liked. So it was the right step to take to try and make a comedy. We've got a pretty stacked cast in this one. Chris Pine plays Edgin, uh, a bard and former spy um, who we meet at the beginning in prison with his best friend Holger Kilgore, played by Michelle Rodriguez. Um, a barbarian who's been exiled from her tribe and now travels with uh, Chris Pine's character. Uh, across the course of the movie, we meet um, Forge Fitzwilliam, played by Hugh Grant, a con artist who um, is pretty good. Uh, Daisy Head, uh, Anthony Stewart Head's daughter, plays the villain Safina, a red wizard, joining the crew of uh, rogues um, to kind of try and get through the story of the film. We've got Justice Smith, plays Simon, a sorcerer. Um, who else am I looking for here? Uh, Sophia Lillis, who people will know from uh, the It movies and a few other things, plays Doric, a mm. uh, little druid girl who can turn into various animals. 
Um, Regé Jean Page, Regé Jean Page, um, plays Zenk, a paladin, a very serious, straight-faced paladin. Um, he's a guy, I think he was in Bridgerton, I think people know from that. Um, he's, uh, he's very good, it turns out, good actor, I like him. And yeah, basically they, they, they have to come together as a little squad of people to go up against Hugh Grant's character Forge, who's double-crossed <laughs> and betrayed Chris Pine and has installed himself as the, um... King of Neverwinter, or the Lord of Neverwinter. And that's the first weird move thing about this film, is that you forget how many things within the world of video games and other stuff come from Dungeons & Dragons, because there's a really famous old video game called Baldur's Gate, and there's suddenly a scene in this where Chris Pine's like, we should go down to Baldur's Gate, and da 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 and I was like, oh, that's weird. And then Neverwinter is also a big thing. And it was weird to see all these place names and stuff match, um, match the world of Dungeons & Dragons, which was mm. cool. And um, everyone puts in a really committed performance mm. everyone tries really hard it's got a lot of jokes in it it wants to be it's a comedy it wants to be funny as well as being a fantasy movie um it's got really low stakes which is something that's really i really like about it like low he, stakes low stakes like they're not trying to save the world the world's not about to explode there's okay. not a big beam of energy that's going to go up into mm. the sky and tony stark doesn't have to fly a nuclear bomb into a wormhole to like <laughs> their mate has taken over this castle he's yeah. kind of got chris pine's daughter hostage chris pine wants to rescue his daughter and mm. help the people of this one little village or city um get over the the, the threat from this wizard and from from hugh grant and that's kind of it and they kind of just have to go through this little quest and adventure to do that and it has all these sorts of things in it that feel like watching people play a game of dungeons and dragons in terms of like there's a bit where they have to find out some information and the character's like oh i've got this token that lets me uh i can revive a corpse and ask it five questions and that's such mm. a like a little item you'd get in in the role-playing game or there's a bit where they have to cross a bridge and they accidentally destroy the bridge, but they improvise another way to get across this chasm, again, in a way that it feels like a group of friends around a table might do it in mm. an actual game of Dungeons & Dragons. And it really, like, without without having a really cheesy thing of, like, meta showing mm. some people sat around a table playing it, they get the vibe of feeling like you're in a game of Dungeons & Dragons perfectly on point. Um, and the, the tone is really funny and they, they strike the right tone. I really enjoy the way that, like, when they want to get from one place to another, it just cuts and they're in the other place. We don't need to watch them, like, riding horses across fields for five minutes or anything. Like, they just go to where they need to be. They find the characters they need to find and then they get on with the story and having fun. And um, I really, really loved it. I thought it was amazing. Um, I think it's the best fantasy film since the original Lord of the Rings films. Um, oh, wow. Like, 20 years ago. Um, and I, I can't wait. I hope it does well and I hope that they make more mm. because um it it's it's just the it's a kind of thing we don't get we don't get enough fantasy stuff generally because I really enjoy mm. fantasy um I read a lot of fantasy novels and things and um we get a lot of fantasy that's very po-faced and serious and straight and it's about mm. the end of the world and the wizard wants to kill everyone etc this one's just sort of like a fun light-hearted romp and it's a comedy and it's got some fun cameos in it and it's got some good action mm. and it's got really interesting stuff there's a great scene where this character played by Sophia Lillis is trying to infiltrate this castle and because she can turn into various characters she starts off as a fly and then she gets discovered <laughs> and turns into a mouse and runs off down this corridor and then she's an eagle flying out over the city and then she turns into a deer to run through the streets and it's just a really fun, interesting, kinetic scene. And yeah, the whole movie is, is wonderful. And I really liked it. And um, 
people should watch it. People should go and see when it comes out. Go and see Dungeons and Dragons on Honor Among Thieves because uh, it's a really good time. And I love Chris Pine. I want him to be my. I want him to be my friend. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's wonderful. That's all of my culture catch up. Awesome. So love sh- it. Should we go to sub my tube? So the Guardian uh, uh, rated Ugly, the slow tie um, album, five out of five. Five out of five. Thank you, Alexis Petridis. Um, but I, uh, reading this article, I found this video of um, Feel Good, one of the songs in um, in the album, on the album. Good song. And uh, it's a lovely, lovely um, video. So... I'm going to show it to you. Okay, can you can you read the caption here? It says, in December, we visited 35 of you to catch your first time reaction to Feel Good. So this is a reaction video, which I love. And, you know, I love that song. So, um, yeah, you want to watch it? Sure. Okay, let's go. It's a good song. Yes. Are you ready? Yep. Okay. So they're all having slow reaction. Slow fans. Yes, and they have reactions like we would have reactions. I had the same. I was right. I was driving when I listened to this. Just... <laughs> yeah, they were bopping their heads and smiling because it's a great song. Yeah. <laughs> Ah, uh-huh. uh, and he comes in the room and he surprises them. How incredible is that? <laughs> and he's so happy about it. <laughs> and they're dancing to this wonderful song and... Oh... Uh... <laughs> Oh, I love this reaction. He's just so happy. Yeah. (laughs) 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 I like how varied his fan base is as well from the Mm. the video. So many different types of people. Absolutely. Punk fans and hip hop fans and you know yeah. some of a cure poster in the background. Yeah. Yeah, it's wonderful. Mitski, someone had a Mitski poster there. Yeah. 
and they're just so happy to see him. It's just like he he really touches people with his music, you know. Mm, he does. Ah, look at this. His voice is so yeah, high pitched as well. Just... Yeah. Look how happy he is. Amazing. Amazing. So I wanted stuff. to share that with you because it's a great song and a great video. Yeah, Slipknot t shirt as well, which I enjoy. Yeah. Good times for slow yeah. tie slow tie fans there. Well done. What do you want me to show what do you want to show me? Ah well, okay. So um I've got a couple of movie trailers to share with you. Okay. Um have you seen the trailer for No Hard Feelings? No. Is the one with Jennifer Lawrence? It is the one with Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah, I was waiting for you to oh, show really? me. Yeah. It's uh I'm pretty I'm pretty let's see. Okay. I think this movie might be quite fun. Yeah, Jennifer Lawrence Jennifer Lawrence looks very different now, doesn't she? Well, she went away for a while, didn't she? And mm. she's back. And I think it's good that she's back. I really like her. And I think it's good that she's back. Like, she did a little drama um, film. Mm. Um, I can't remember. Called Causeway, maybe? That that mm. had had kind of middling reviews, but I think she had good reviews for it. But it was like a kind of awardsy, dramatic mm. movie. An indie movie. It's the first indie movie she's done since she went into blockbusters and stuff. And it's good that she's done that, but I'm also happy to see her doing something here that's not very serious and is just exploring her ability to do comedy, which looks like she's very good at from based on the trailer. So um Definitely. Yeah, let's see what you think. Let me know what you think of this. Are you ready to go? I am ready. Good. So this is the trailer for No Hard Feelings, starring Jennifer Lawrence and others. Others? Others. Gary, okay. Order for asset seizures. So they're taking my okay, car. we're in the suburbs of America. Oh, it's the guy from um, yeah, it is uh, the bear. Yes. <laughs> oh, there's a naked man in the house. So she's a struggling woman. Oh, that's yeah. Look at him, Matthew. No, what's his name? Matthew Broderick. Matthew Broderick. Yeah. Date him. Do you mean what? date him or date him? <laughs> date him. Date him. So she has to date their son because mm-hmm. he's a bit of a Mind if I touch your wiener? boy that stays inside a lot. Yeah, he's like a sort of. He needs he needs to learn the ways of the world a little bit, I guess. Okay. It's quite nice to see Jennifer Lawrence in something that's not serious, actually. Yeah. yeah. Ah. <laughs> Okay. 
We can go skinny dipping. What about sharks? Men here. Jellyfish? Not this season. It's really the lack of lifeguards. Shut the here right now. Okay. <laughs> I'm just a bit of a romantic. He's actually really sweet. Oh. I think it might be okay, this film. Yeah, I think it is, the trailer makes me laugh. Yeah. Come on, you're getting out of here. You don't belong here. Don't touch me. Get away from her. Stay. be like i don't that's one of those films that maybe is really fine in the trailer and terrible well maybe but it does look good and i i trust jennifer Lop- Lopez. jennifer lopez <laughs> i trust jennifer lawrence to do a good job like to you know to not there was one a script little warning sign in there though did you pick up on the, the little warning that maybe it won't be good what which one from the director of good boys oh. Uh, Do you remember that movie? Good Boys. I don't remember that movie. Oh, you do. Do I? You do. Should I check? Maybe you should check what Good Good Boys is. Boys. Good Boys. Oh, no. No. Oh, no. Mm, No, I hate that film. Yeah. But then then maybe I hated it because it was so young and it was so weird and... (laughs) I mean, it was just like don't use that language. You're too young. Stop. Uh, I don't know. I didn't like that movie more because it was not a very good movie. <laughs> but it's got three and a half stars on IMDb. Out of ten. Out of five, isn't it? Uh, I know six point seven out of ten, but it's three and a half stars. All right. Okay. Uh. Okay. Well, we'll see. Anyway, let's hope. <gasps> I haven't seen this one. No. So this is the trailer for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Mutant Mayhem. Yeah. The new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Now, I think the animation in this movie is going to be pretty cool. I like mm. the style. Mm. Um and yeah, let's go. What do you like? Okay. Let's see what you think. You ready? Okay. Yeah. We're in New York. New York City. Ah, permanent teenager Seth Rogen. <laughs> what what has he got to do with this film? He's made it. He's made it. Yeah, or produced it. Like, yeah, he's like, it's his sort of production. Permanent teenager. Oh, it looks wonderful already. Mm. Just the animation, it looks wonderful. Let's try that again, but with ninja stars. Hey, why do we pick a fruit shaped exactly like my head? Just stop talking, you're ruining my concentration. You're fine. He's gonna die. Oh. Did you hear that? What was that? Well, not that we can do. You guys wanna grab pizza? (laughs) Is it kind of like um, the same kind of animation they did in um, the Spider Verse? It's sort of, yeah, stylized. um, Yeah. Yeah, it's similarly stylized. Yeah. But also looks like its own thing. Yeah, no, definitely it does. Leo, what happened? Is Donnie bleeding? 
And they're actual teenagers, which is wonderful. Like, they feel like teenagers, not like that horrible film they made in the 90s. Yeah. Well, we prefer the term ooze, but yeah. It's like more like, it's just nice. It, it rolls off the tongue. One of them has, yeah. got, a, has got a brace. Yeah. Aww. Yeah, it's so cute. Oh. It makes me kind of emotional, weirdly. <laughs> Because I used to watch the cartoon when I was little, and yeah, then they me too. released these terrible, terrible films that had nothing. I don't know. They were just terrible. Well, I didn't like them. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't a big fan of those uh, live action films, um, yeah. but I love the cartoon. Mm. And this one looks really cool, and the voice cast is pretty stacked. You've got Jackie Chan as Splinter. Um, you've got, oh, what's her name? The actress from The Bear is voicing April O'Neil. Um, the really wonderful. The wonderful and perfect Ayo Edabiri, who plays Sydney in the mm. Bear, is voicing April. Um, it looks great. I think it looks brilliant. I think the ongoing gift that Spider Man's the Vi- Spider Verse provided culture is this new daring ability that animators are kind of finding to kind of really stylize movies and not just have them be, you know, all look broadly like a Pixar movie or a DreamWorks movie. Uh, the, Mitch- yeah. the Mitchells versus the Machines did it. The recent uh, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish did it. Um, and yeah, now this one is again sort of uh, creating its own style. And it looks cool. And I can't wait to watch it. And I hope it's good. Sounds great. Yeah, I, I can kick it. Right. Yes, you can. <laughs> um, That is the end of my tube, unless you have anything else. Uh, no, I am. Uh, yeah. Good. Okay. I was maybe going to show you the Peter Pan and Wendy trailer, but um, I, that's not bother. Uh, I mean, it looks like it'll be okay. It, it, whatever. We'll talk about it later, maybe, if it turns out to be good. Um, recommendations time, then. What would you tell people they should uh, check out based on your culture catch-up from this week? I definitely think people should watch Songs My Brothers Taught Me, uh, director debut by Chloe Zhao. And uh, listen to Slow, T- Slow Tie's new album, Ugly. Nice. Those are good picks. I'm, it's a tough one for me this week, but I think I'm going to say watch Happy Valley. If you've not mm. watched Happy Valley, watch Happy Valley. It's so good. And um, Dungeons and Dragons on Among Thieves. Um, check it out. I want that movie to make a lot of money so they make more um, good <laughs> fantasy films. So, yeah. That nice. is us. Thank you so much. That's been episode 96. It's been a pleasure to be with you and see all of the stuff that we've done, etc. I hope you've enjoyed it. Join us next week for the finale of The Culture of Our Lives. Thank you so much. See you soon. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Good. Goodbye. Yeah.